Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. So in Psalm 50, this beautiful psalm is written by a man named Asaph. In the scriptures, he's one of the ones that gets attributed a lot of the psalms, actually, because he was the worship leader. Asaph, you know, being a worship leader, I think worship leaders... They kind of touch on subjects that the whole congregation faces a lot. And so Psalm 50, we read verse 1, The mighty one, God, the Lord, has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. May our God come and not keep silence. Fire devours before him, and it is very tempestuous around him. He summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people. Gather my godly ones to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God, he says, and I do not reprove you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings continually before me. He says, I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your folds, for even every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. How many of you have heard that verse? The cattle on a thousand hills belong to the Lord. It's all his. In fact, he goes on and says, I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field, he says, is mine. If I were hungry, the Lord says, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all it contains. And shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of male goats? He says, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, he says, and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Now, this is the first half of this psalm. It's broken up with the declaration that God is the mighty one. And he's called to all men. Well, I like how he says, he summons them from the rising of the sun unto its setting. And he speaks to them. He says, I'm your God. But he says, I, I don't reprove you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings. He says, but I'm not really here to take any of your animals from you. You know why? Because they already belong to me. They're already mine. So giving them to him as a sacrifice, he's saying, it's not really what he desires. What is it that the Lord desires? It's in Micah 6, 8. He says, he has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. Do justly, do what's right, and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. You know, there's nothing more attractive than a young man that learns these qualities at a young age. He learns to do what's right. He's a merciful person and he walks humbly. When they have those three qualities, that's the package deal that God says, that's what I like. That's what I have shown men that they should do. That's what I require. Now, that's what God's requirement. You say, what does God want? He says, I want you to be like that. Full of mercy, full of humility, and doing what is right in my sight. In this psalm, Asaph is saying, God has summoned all men to come before him. But some men are bringing sacrifices what were in the Levitical law of offerings for their sin. Oh God, I blew it. Here's an offering. Let me make up for that. I blew it. I'd rather that you would bring to me an offering of this, 
not of the animals. Now, this was another thing in the law of Leviticus they could bring, an offering of sacrifice of their lips. A sacrifice of praise, it says, and a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Well, as parents, when you're raising kids, it almost mows over some of them. They'll call me, Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, what, what? Sounds really remarkable. What, what, what happened? My kid came up and said, thank you, Dad, for helping me with this. Or thank you, Mom, for always bringing me to practice. And I couldn't even believe it came out of their mouth. You know, they just, out of nowhere. They, and I'm thinking, but how much does it mean to us as parents when our children are grateful? And I'm saying when they say it without us prompting. When it actually comes out just out of the purity of their heart, you know, on those rare occasions when it happens, isn't it just precious to us as earthly parents? Well, this is what the psalmist Asaph is saying when we as God's children say to God, God, thank you. We give you a sacrifice. Isn't it interesting? It's called a sacrifice from our lips. Our lips are kind of, we're, we're not so good at saying thank you sometimes. It's almost like, Mm, mm, mm. I remember when I was a kid, we used to watch this show called Happy Days with the Fonz. And the Fonz, he'd be like, hey, comb his hair and, and look all cool. And in one episode, Richie had done something and the Fonz, somehow the Fonz did something wrong and he needed to say he was sorry. He went in the, in the bathroom and he was practicing trying to say he was sorry. And he, he just couldn't get the words up. And he was so prideful, he couldn't say he made a mistake. He couldn't say he was sorry. And sometimes that's how some Christians are when it comes even to saying thank you, you know, with the fruit of their lips. It's a beautiful thing to us as parents when we hear those words fall from our children's lips that they're thankful for us. How much more would our creator feel when we say thank you to him? You know, just from our lips. Thank you, God. Thank you. And by the way, this gets quoted in the book of Hebrews as the sacrifice that is acceptable to God, a sacrifice of our lips of praise and thanksgiving. Thank you, God. But it's kind of cheating because I'm telling you to do it now, and you might feel like, yeah, well, I was prompted to do it. But the psalmist, you know, he's the worship leader. Isn't his job to get the congregation to do the right thing? He's the worship leader. Hey, everybody, let's go to our maker, the one who's in charge over everything. And he summons all men before him from the whole, from the rising of the sun till it's setting. He's calling out to everybody. Hey, everybody, the right thing we should offer to God isn't the blood of bulls and of lambs and, oh, I'm sorry for this and that, that our mistakes that we go slaughter animals to give sacrifice for. He says, listen, you do that all the time. But this is what we really should do. The worship leader has keyed in to something we need to do. We need to be thankful. Well, I'm cheating, but turn to the New Testament with me, would you, to Philippians chapter 4. When Paul writes to the church at Philippi in Philippians 4, if you have trouble finding, just let me read it to you. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says, And let your gentle spirit, your humble spirit, be known to all men. The Lord is near, he says. Now be anxious for nothing. Here's the cure, by the way, for anxiety. If you ever feel anxious, you know, some people wrestle with this. This is the actual spiritual, scriptural antidote for anxiety right here in Philippians 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So if you're anxious about something, let's say something makes you really, you know, you know when you're anxious, don't you? Some certain things might get your heart rate a little elevated and your blood pressure goes up and you start to worry. And instead of worrying, the scriptural answer for that is to pray about it. To pray about everything that causes you anxiety. To go to God and say, God, this is my problem down here. I bring it before you. And here, Paul tells the church at Philippi, when you cast your cares, when you lift it up to the Lord with prayer and supplication, you say, here's my petition before you, God. Could you take care of this? This is a really strong, I got a bill due. I have a problem with this relationship. I need your help. He says, don't forget to make your petition with thanksgiving. Isn't that interesting? He didn't just say, make your petition known to God. You know, just pray about it. Tell God and don't be thankful. No, he says you need to be presenting your petition. Something about when we remember we have to make our petitions known to God with thanksgiving, it changes the way we pray. I've heard some people pray. Boy, they are cranky. You pray with them, they're like, oh, God, this is wrong, this is wrong. And you think, well, do you have anything to pray? Uh, it says with thanksgiving. And they go, what do you mean with thanksgiving? I'm not thankful. I got problems down here. I said, well, that you're alive might be, you know, something you'd be thankful for. You could be dead and you wouldn't have these problems. Oh, I didn't think about that. How many can look back on your life and see how many times, just with retrospect, how God's hand kept you alive through some real scary circumstances, maybe some horrible drivers on the freeway that almost crashed into you. Some of you even been through crashes and you know God had mercifully put angels there to watch over you. I guess the older I get, the easier it is for me to be thankful because I can look back and see how many more times he saved my bacon. And I'm like, boy, I got a lot to be thankful for that God has looked after me. So I don't have trouble with this saying to God, God, here is my petition. Here's my prayer. Here's my problem down here. But I present it to you with thanksgiving. I'm just thankful I can go to someone who can actually do something about it. When you're praying to a false god and you're thinking, I hope this works, and you have a carving, say a statue of something carved from stone and you're like praying to it, the Bible says anything, any idol made by human hands is no god at all. It has ears. You could carve ears on it. You could carve a mouth, carve eyes. What did Isaiah say? And Ezekiel also repeats this. Though they have ears, they don't hear these little idols. Though they have eyes, can't see. So they have a mouth, they can't speak. They're not like the living God where we're talking to somebody who can actually do something. He's like saying, come on, guys, you got a lot to be thankful for. We're talking to the guy who made everything. Now, Asaph is a true part of a worship leader. He's saying that's who we're coming to when we pray. When we go and sing praise as a congregation, we can praise to God. And we can offer to him sacrifices of thanksgiving. Well, what's it say? We can pay vows to the Most High. We're talking about the guy. He is exalted. We just studied in Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. He is beautiful, it says, for situation, for elevation. He's high above the earth. 
We're talking to the creator. Now that's a good deal. So this psalm, Asaph is saying, we got to remember we're talking to the guy up, upstairs who can do something. Don't be discouraged. You got the right complaint department. You're going to see when we go a little farther in the psalms that the psalms will teach us we can complain and murmur to the Lord. It says evening and morning and noon. That's the Hebrew of saying morning, noon, and night. They, they start their day at when the sun sets. But the psalmist declares we can complain to the Lord all day long. And you know what it says? And he hears us. Isn't it nice to know he hears us? Some people, they, they forget. They think, I don't know. You know what they do? They call me and they say, Pastor, when you pray, I'm pretty sure God hears you. But when I pray, I'm not sure if he hears me. Have you ever heard someone say that to you? They say, oh, you have like special connection or a direct line. We wanted to get a hold of you. Could, could you put in a little prayer request for us, Pastor? And I'm thinking, wait a minute. There's only one mediator the Bible teaches between us and God. Who's the one that brings my prayer before the Father? It says, Jesus Christ, the only one. I can only go through him. You have the same hotline that I do. You can pick up the Lord. Father, I got to talk. Do you guys know why at the end of the prayer we say, in Jesus' name, we pray? Because we're saying, who's our phone line? Jesus. He's the connection. We all have access. I'm not special. We're all invited to talk to him. And this is beautiful. This is saying, look at verse 15 of Psalm 50. Call upon me, says the Lord, in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Whenever you get in trouble, we need Psalm 50, verse 15. Whenever you get in trouble, he says, call upon me, says the Lord. Just call on me. I want to teach the next generation this, because some of you sitting around the table already know this. You already know when you get in trouble, who are you going to call? The Lord. But when somebody hasn't been brought up in the faith, they don't know that they can call on the Lord. And I find this to be more and more increasingly true of this next generation they don't know like we were brought up with the bible and and learning things even bible verses in literature class we learned it was part of the class now they're saying no bible can't do that i'm like this is considered the greatest piece of literature in the whole known world it's the most published book of all books they won't put this on the bestseller list because it stays number one all the time it is the number one selling book worldwide continually since printing presses have been built. Isn't it simple? He says, you get in trouble. Anyone in trouble? He says, call on me. If you had a friend who said to you, if you ever get in trouble, just call me. How would you feel about that person? You, know, you just call, I'll be there. I'll look after you. If you have a friend who says, day, night, doesn't matter when, whenever you're in trouble, you just call on me. And I'll be there. How does it make you feel inside about that person? Isn't it good? You just think, oh, that's such a comfort. Because even if you don't call them, you know you can call them. We know that. But we got to teach it to the next generation. Because I've run into kids today that they don't know. You're like, um, what's Christmas and Easter to you about? And Resurrection Sunday. What, what do you mean resurrect? That's the Easter bunny. And Christmas, what do you think Christmas is? Santa Claus. I said, no, 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 no. Let me tell you about what the scripture teaches us. You learned Easter. You learned the resurrection. You learned all the holy holidays. 
But you didn't learn them as the Easter Bunny. You learned them as Good Friday was when they crucified the Lord and hung him on the cross. And three days later was Resurrection Sunday. And so we knew he was there. Everyone around us was telling us the Lord is there. And you ever get in trouble, the Bible teaches right here in the Psalm, Psalm 50. If you get in trouble, the Bible teaches, call upon me in the day of trouble. I mean, I wish I could make like a big banner that says, call upon me in your day of trouble. And then signed God. Like, just so that the kids would know, who, who do I call upon? I mean, who do we get to call on? Well, the Psalm Asaph is with the congregation singing about how great God is, how he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, and how we need to give him a sacrifice of thanksgiving from our lips. When he rescues us, it is really fitting that we give him honor. That we say, the Lord really did pull me through on that one. You know, we honor him. That's allowed. This is where a worship leader really does a good job when he steers the people to giving thanks to God and honoring God and calling upon God whenever they're in trouble. That's a true heart of a worship leader. Let's look at the last. It's only in, in the Hebrew. It's two more paragraphs. But starting in verse 16 through verse 21, we have one thought presented about the wicked. It says here, but to the wicked, God says, what right do you have to tell of my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? You know, what right do you have to be quoting verses when you want to live wickedly? He says, for you hate discipline, verse 17, you cast my words behind you. And when you see a thief, you're pleased with him and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil and your tongue, it says, frames deceit. You sit and you speak against your own brother. You slander your own mother's son. Now, the first brother, when it says here in the Hebrew, you sit and speak against your brother. This could be your fellow man, brother, brother of anybody. But the next part of this verse in the Hebrew, you slander your own mother's son. But this is your blood brother. You're saying you're slandering your own family. He says, now these things you have done. And the Lord says, and I've kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. And I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. I'm going to put it all out there right in order, he says. Now consider this, he says, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces, and there will be none to deliver you. Verse 23, the last verse of this psalm, beautiful psalm. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, and him who orders his way aright, I will show the salvation of God. Micah 6 eight. he who does justly does what is right in God's sight. To him who orders his way aright, God says, I'll show you my salvation. What a beautiful psalm. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Asaph says, you honor God. I want to encourage you, you know, just wake up. Good morning, Lord. I just want to say thank you for another day. Let's surprise him. Maybe shock him. Hey, good morning. Thank you. Because if our kids did that to us, we'd be like, whoa. But it says we honor him when we do that. The Bible teaches in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, the one commandment that says, honor your father and your mother. The first commandment, it says, that comes with a promise. And that promise is, it says, it will extend your life when you honor your parents. Well, how about when we honor our earthly father, our earthly mother? 
How about when we honor our Heavenly Father? What does He do? He shows the way of salvation to us. What a wonderful thing we can do when we use our lips to honor God. And I love this psalm because, I mean, I've had the privilege to lead worship now some 35 years or so. I was horrible when I started. I don't even know why God picked me, but, but God's ways are not our ways. One thing I have found out, though, is when you're used to lead people to worship God, it's funny how some people, you sing with them and their heart just comes to life. Their troubles, they're able to just cast them on the Lord while they're worshiping. And they, and they, they feel that lightning of their shoulders. I mean, it, it, it's like the burden is taken off of them. The Lord just removes it while they're worshiping. Well, listen, when you offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and you go before him and you're worshiping him and, and you do what Jesus instructed us to do when he told Peter, cast all your cares on the Lord. Does he answer when you call on him? What's this psalm say? If you call on him and you're in trouble, it says right here, he will answer. He's going to be there and he's going to be the one that will rescue you. But here's the part we need to do. In verse 15, after he rescues you, it says, then we need to honor him. We need to honor him. And this is something that's, I don't know, we don't have a society that's been taught how to honor. They don't know how to honor the parents. They don't know how to honor our Heavenly Father. It's almost like a foreign thought. When you grew up and they said to honor your father and mother, did you think, yeah, I know what that means. I mean, I mean show them respect and honors that's due. They're, they're, they're our parents. They might not do everything perfect. That didn't matter. We were taught it doesn't matter. They're our parents. You honor them just because that's your parents. Doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if you think you're smarter than them. Because <laughs> sometimes in our teenage years, we think we're real smart stuff. I love how when the kids, when they're in their teenage years, they're like, my parents are so stupid. And then they go off to college. They come back after a couple of years. They're like, I am so amazed at how much my parents learned while I was away at college. <laughs> it wasn't them that was learning. It was those kids had to grow up a little. But we have to learn to honor our Heavenly Father. And this psalm really, this psalm really cements it for me. It just says, you know, it's about honoring God. When we bring our lips and say, thank you, we honor him. We just say, thank you. Even the little things, you can call on the Lord, and He hears your prayer. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled, Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Spirit to give me strength and power within.
And I am coming.